Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 672nd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. This week, we have a very special series of five episodes of the Urban Farm Podcast, sharing the work of Growing Spaces, a company whose vision is to provide year-round growing solutions for your own food, no matter the weather. We start the week by hearing from the founders of the company. Then we have three episodes from people just like you that are using growing domes to grow food for their community and wrap up the week hearing the vision of the new owners. I really encourage you to listen to this incredible content, then check out their website. That's growingspaces.com forward slash urban farm. For over 30 years, Growing Spaces has been providing geodesic greenhouses for backyard gardeners, communities, and nonprofit organizations. The geodesic shape of the dome is superior to a traditional greenhouse as it allows equal light throughout the day without any hot or cold spots handles the wind, hail, and snow like it's nothing. A new flourishing world awaits you inside your new geodesic greenhouse dome from Growing Spaces. I had the opportunity to see one just a few months ago, and I have to say I was impressed. I'm very excited about the passive solar design that makes the energy bill virtually zero, the Growing Dome's cool shape, and its flexibility to help you grow your own groceries all year round. The kits come in six different sizes ready for you, a contractor, or the Growing Spaces team to install. Plus, they have a special offer just for you, a 5% discount for listeners of the Urban Farm podcast by going to growingspaces.com forward slash urban farm. That's growingspaces.com forward slash urban farm. The discount won't last forever, but your ability to grow food will. Join their community of happy year-round greenhouse gardeners and start thriving today. Today on our podcast, we have someone who shares the passion of gardening into his community, starting at home. We're talking with Andrew Trujillo about hobby gardening in a greenhouse. Andrew is a husband, daddy, veteran, friend, and neighbor with a deep-rooted desire to grow, who thrives when he is working in the soil. He has helped build gardens at all the schools in Bayfield, Colorado, as well as the local food bank and his local church. 
Andrew uses a lot of permaculture techniques as well as Hugel culture in his garden designs. His own garden has an 18 foot diameter growing dome where he shares about the benefits of his earth friendly greenhouse. Welcome to the show today, Andrew. Happy to be here. Fantastic. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Currently, I'm living here in southwest Colorado, a little town called Bayfield. It's about 20 miles east of Durango, big touristy town. But our town is about 2,600 people, so real small. How I got here, I lived in southern Denver. That's where I grew up. Lots of people, lots of traffic, lots of noise, really small yards. I joined the Navy after high school, served my country for seven years. I met my wife in the military. She was actually my supervisor. She was getting out. She was on her way out. So it was okay because, you know, Navy kind of frowns upon, you know, intermingling with your supervisors and whatnot. But she was on her way out. So did seven years. I got out in March 2011. We moved back to Denver at that point. And it just, it wasn't a right fit for me at that point in my life so many people and just so much noise and my wife had actually brought me here to this area during the colorado area a few times while we were first married because her folks lived here and ah. i just fell in love with i fell in love with this area so what's not um, to just, love with the area it's extraordinary there yeah it's absolutely beautiful you, know, you got the mountains all four seasons you know if you're an outdoor enthusiast just tons of stuff to do so that's how we ended up here. Just was kind of sick of the big city life and mm-hmm. needed a change, needed to slow down and, you know, plant my roots somewhere. So that's that's how we ended up here in Southwest Colorado. And Bayfield's uh, right outside of Bayfield's right outside of Durango, right? Yes, it's about 20 miles east of, of Durango. So Southwest Colorado is a high desert, you know, high elevation. So can tend to be a little tricky for gardeners, especially if you come, you know, somewhere out east, low elevation, you know, really good fertile soil. If you're coming here, you know, there's a lot of things that you kind of have to learn <laughs> in order to grow here. Right. In navigate this area. Your way so, through. Yeah, yeah, right. Navigate your way through for sure. So yeah. how did you get inspired to grow food? So that inspiration comes from... My childhood, my mom's father, my tata, was a big gardener. He lived on about an acre lot in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And he had a huge orchard, you know, apricots, cherries, apples, plums. You know, he grew all that stuff as well as, you know, tons of veggies, squashes, tomatoes. He had huge grapevines. So as a kid, I remember, you know, playing in the garden and helping my thought that out there in the garden and not knowing, you know, those seeds were being planted in me, like, you know, back then, you know, being filling the sun on your face and, you know, smelling the, the earthy soil and, you know, just looking up at these, you know, giant sunflowers that my thought that used to grow, you know, just, you know, hearing the bees buzz around and it, it was just kind of instilled in me back then mm-hmm. when I was a child. So, and then also my wife's father is a big gardener, you know, he's been a gardener his whole life. And growing up, we didn't have a lot of fresh vegetables in our diet, beans, rice, maybe some corn, maybe some squash every now and then. But, 
not a lot of fresh veggies. So moving here to this area, you know, closer to my in-laws and tasting some of the produce that my father-in-law was growing, you know, biting into a vine ripe tomato. I mean, it right. just kind of, kind of blew my mind. Yeah. You know, cause I just, I was, wasn't used to that. You know, I was used to store-bought stuff with no flavor. So that was one of my big inspirations. And then, you know, we moved here and we purchased a home that is, sits on a half acre. So I built a small little garden and kind of just started without really having any knowledge on how to do it. Nice. You just jumped so, in. Yeah, just jumped in, you know, from my, you know, really big knowledge, you know, you you know, I knew you had to put some sort of fertilizer in the ground. So I got a bunch of horse manure and I, you know, kind of worked it into my soil and then I planted a seed and then I gave it some water. So that was, that was kind of how it all started. But since then, obviously, you know, my knowledge and has grown, you know, I joined the uh, Pine River Garden Club here in Bayfield, which is full of just amazing gardeners, you know, people that have lived here for decades, you know, growing in this area. That was a huge blessing to join that club and to find these people mm-hmm. that were also passionate about gardening and, you know, just had so much knowledge and uh, willing to share that knowledge. So, yeah, you, you mentioned in your bio, something called Hugel culture. Can you share mm-hmm. with people what that is? Cause it's, it's a fascinating way to grow soil. Mm-hmm. So Hugel culture, I learned about that probably about three years ago, just, you know, in Southwest Colorado, high desert, we don't get a lot of moisture. We're actually in a kind of a drought right now. Lots of fire bans during the summer just because we don't have a lot of water. So it's critical to store the water that we do get, mm-hmm. you know, the rain, the snow, and to store that in your soil. So hugel culture was a agriculture technique designed for drought areas. So basically you dig a shallow trench and you layer that with different organic materials. You know, you start off with like kind of dead, decaying wood, you know, bark, branches, uh, logs, Logs. and and then you, you know, kind of layer it. You put another layer of like maybe like fresher cut logs, compost, leaves, pine needles, you know, any kind of organic material, you know, straw. And then you actually bury that with the soil that you excavated from the trench. Mm. And then you plant directly into that so as the material just continues to decompose it's just building that soil for you it's you know giving oxygen and all those microorganisms the worms you know all that stuff that lives in the soil and you know it's creating that decomposition so it just becomes you know a thriving environment for plants and then also like i said when it when it rains or snows you know, that soil or that water, that moisture seeps down into all those crevices, into all those pores, into that uh, organic material, and it just, it stores it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually really fascinating. I probably have about 500 feet of hugel culture wow. um, on, my, on my property right now uh-huh. that I've been building over the past several years. The east side of my yard for the past two years, I haven't watered at all, and it it thrives. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. And nice more years that pass, you know, the, the better the soil gets. Mm-hmm. 
And here in Southwest Colorado, we have a lot of uh, clay, which, you know, some people can be kind of a gardening nightmare. But to me, I, I kind of embrace the clay because it's, it's a good foundation. Clay has a lot of uh, unique properties to it. You know, it stores moisture really well on a molecular level. You know, it, it's positively charged, so it, you know, attracts negatively charged nutrients and whatnot. But you have to amend it. You know, you have to add compost. You have to add organic right. material. You have to do cover crops. You, you know, you have to you have to put in the work in order to you know for it to benefit. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, good work with that. I we're here today to talk partially about your grow dome. And so tell me about your grow dome and how you discovered them. So I discovered the Growing Spaces Grow Domes when I started working over at the Pine River Library Library Community Garden. So I, I was the main lead gardener over there, taking care of the garden for the past about five years. Mm-hmm. I recently stepped, recently stepped down, but I was introduced to the uh, grow, growing spaces, grow domes through that garden. So I believe that garden garden was built probably about six years ago. And then they put a growing spaces, grow dome on the property. It was used for a little while, but then they couldn't find really any volunteers to kind of upkeep it. So I stepped in and kind of took the lead on the grow dome. And it was, it was amazing. Just, I pretty much immediately realized the potential that this greenhouse provided, you know, especially here in our area with our short growing season, we have about 90 days of really, you know, decent weather for growing. Wow. That's Um, it. Yeah. So it's a pretty short growing season, you know, from first frost to, you know, that first fall frost, you know, it's, it's very, very short window. So you have to really take advantage of, you know, greenhouses, hoop houses, you know, walls of water, starting your seeds indoors. You know, you really have to take advantage of those things. So it takes a little bit more work yes. or maybe or maybe a lot more work. So tell me what your grow dome is and what your experience of it is. If somebody was to walk up to the front door, tell me about it. So the growing spaces grow domes are just, they're beautiful to look at just because they have that really geodesic dome shape mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of an eye catcher you know if you like I, I have people constantly kind of driving by my house and they kind of drive really slow especially if it's you know people that are visiting other family members or new people to the area they're like wow what's this thing looks kind of like a spaceship and that's they actually do, kinda, they do kind of look like a spaceship don't they so yeah. it's a geodesic dome and they come in different sizes in different diameters. So yours is yours is an 18 foot. Mm-hmm. And I think they yeah, go all the so, way up to 42 feet. Yeah. So I believe there's a 15, 18, 22, 26, 33, and a 42. So I hope to someday in the future own a 42 foot dome, just because like I said, they are an amazing greenhouse. I kind of compare it to the, the Cadillac of greenhouses. Mm, um, nice. Sure. They... They are a little pricey, but it's worth it. You know, if if we can spend so much money on flat screen TVs and, you know, all these other materialistic things, why not, you know, save some money, buy a greenhouse, you know, that's going to provide for you. That's going to be somewhat self-sustaining. And not only does it provide food, 
it also provides just a it's a it's a very calm peaceful environment mm -hmm. you know to be in it's you know one of my favorite times to go out there is you know in the middle of winter when it's cold when there's you know a foot two feet of snow on the ground you know i i shovel my little pathway to the dome uh -huh. and i open the door and you know that 70 degree humid just full of life air you know hits you and you walk in you shut the door and it's just it's kind of like a paradise you know wow so how is it 70 degrees in the greenhouse when there's two feet of snow around geodesic <laughs> grow dome is designed for cold weather environments basically the polycarbonate you know the multi-wall polycarbonate you know provides a good insulation mm -hmm. the geodesic shape provides for you know maximum sun exposure as well as the tank the water tank that's inside that all the kits come with you know depending on the size you know you get different gallons size tanks and, so and that tank is the basically one of the heaters of the greenhouse right yes so it the uh, tank, the water acts as a thermal mass, you know, collecting all that radiant heat during the day. And then it releases that heat at night to keep the dome warm. So I've never had anything freeze in my dome, even on, you know, negative seven, negative eight degree nights. You know, wow. I've never had anything freeze in my dome. And I, I don't do any uh, extra like artificial heat. Like I don't have mm -hmm. a stove or a heater in there. Some people do, you know, if they're growing more like tropical plants, you know, they might supplement the heat, you know, mm -hmm. via a little infrared heater or stove or something like that. Um, but I, I don't currently do any supplemental heat. So, and what are you growing in your dome? I grow kind of a, a lot of things. I grow a lot of Swiss chard, a lot of kale, uh, sorrel. I have a really, Awesome blackberry. It's a Primark thornless blackberry that just, I mean, it goes crazy in the dome. You know, the berries are probably a good inch and a half, you know, just really big blackberries that they don't even make it in the house because the kids <laughs> of you know, course. devour them. They just devour them when we go hang out in the dome. So a lot of herbs, you know, a lot of thyme, lemon thyme, oregano, chives, garlic chives. And, you know, I, I throw up some fun stuff in there. You know, I, I just grow garlic in there for fun, asparagus, carrots, sometimes kind of sporadically. I like to do those more outside, but I throw yeah. some in just for fun. I use the, so I use the dome a lot for collecting seed. Um, ah. So I, I kind of let, I let the plants, you know, go through the whole process, you know, cause in the dome during the summer, you know, it, it does tend to get a little hot. You know, there there are vents. On my dome, I have two vents on the bottom, two vents on top, and then I usually mm -hmm. leave the, the front door open. And those are all automatic vents. They're, they run off of a piston that's, you know, Isn't actuated cool? by, by the heating of, I believe it's beeswax. So yeah. when, you know, it gets yeah. hot, it expands and pushes the pistons out and, you know, it opens up. So, <clears throat> and that's one of the other cool design features of these growing spaces domes. So. But yeah, so I let, you know, get hot and, you know, when it gets hot, plants tend to bolt and want to seed, but, you know, more cold weather varieties. So I just use the dome kind of as my, I call it my mothership mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, I harvest a lot of seed from there. I probably wow. harvested probably about over 10,000 Swiss chard seeds probably about a month ago because one of, 
one of my plants was probably about eight feet tall, huge leaves, you know, seeds everywhere. So that's that's kind of one of the things that I use my my dome for as well as you know harvesting throughout the year. You know, I right. I never run out of green uh, greens. So nice. Well, and greens are nice. Yesterday morning, I went out in the front yard with a pair of scissors and harvested a huge handful of greens for a an omelet that I made, and there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, what I've what I've found personally is that Swiss chard and kale are the two plants that I've found do the best in these greenhouses, you know, just all year long. They mm-hmm. can take the heat, they can take the cold. As you know, that you you can just continue to harvest off of them. You know, you harvest a few leaves, you know, off of each plant, and then it just continues to grow. Yeah, that's called cut and come again. Yes. Is what that's called. And, that, and that's that's what I love growing because I, I kind of I kind of like to keep it simple. You know, I plant it, it grows. And, you know, if a plant can just continue to grow and produce, that's that's what I like. I have some kale in the front yard that's coming up on two years old and it just keeps producing. I love that. Yep. So that's great. I suspect you'd recommend growing domes to others. Oh, most definitely. If you have a little bit of yard and, you know, a little extra money and you're into, you know, gardening and, you know, nutrition and, you know, just wanting to be a little bit more self-sufficient and sustaining. Yeah, I would, I would highly recommend uh, Growing Spaces Grow Dome. They are cool. (laughs) I discovered them about six months ago and fell in love with them. Yeah. I love these, especially the history. You know, we got to hear Mm -hmm. about the history of the grow domes this week as well. And, you know, it's spectacular history. So, yeah. So I recently, so I, I have an 18, the one over at the library, I believe is a 26. Mm-hmm. And then we recently built one over at the local food bank, Pine River Shares, which is part of our build the fork program. We just built a 33 foot grow dome on the property there that we will be using to provide more fresh veggies wow. for the people in need. So in the past two years, Pine River Shares has gone from serving about, I think it was like 120 families, mm-hmm. I think now to like over 300. Wow. Just in the past two years, you know, with COVID and people being out of work and, you know, just so, you know, they get a lot of commodities, you know, canned foods, boxed foods, and we're just trying to give these people you know, somewhat of a real food, somewhat, uh, yeah, some real food, some healthier food, you know, so we built that huge 33 foot grow dome. And then we also built a 2000 square foot garden outside and we planted uh, 20 heritage apple trees. So we're starting a small little, starting a small little orchard. So it's a really, really awesome program that we're, we're doing over there. Man, you are, you are plugged into the food community there, aren't you? Good for you, man. Mm-hmm. That's really important. One of the one of the reasons I was excited to have you on the show was to show how connected you are and the difference you're making in your community around food. You know, building community gardens and building school gardens and church gardens. So kudos to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, like I said. Once I kind of got bit by the gardening bug, you know, joined the garden club, learned. A, about gardening and then I actually took the master gardener program through the through the CSU extension office down in Durango um, which was a whole new 
whole new level of you know knowledge and you know just continued that that passion and that desire to cultivate soil and you know just grow food and just usually gardeners are people that you know like to come together and work together and you know just they have that passion for for people and the earth and you know nutrition and uh, that's kind of how it all all started so nice well congratulations man good on you i'm going to shift on you and i'd like for you to talk about a time you failed how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it i'd have to say well i was i was talking about you know that first garden that i that i made it was a probably about 20 by 20 space that i think the previous owners used as a, a dog run so it was they hadn't used it in a while it was full of weeds you know soil was horrible so I, you know, removed all the weeds, added some horse manure, you know, planted those seeds, you know, without really having any knowledge of gardening or, you know, soil food web or mm-hmm. compost or, you know, what it takes to grow in this area, you know, mending soil. And so that year's garden, it grew, you know, I grew, I think like two zucchinis and, you know, my tomatoes maybe got like, you know, a foot tall. <laughs> But it, it was still fun. You know, it, it was a failure, but, you know, I see it as kind of a, an accomplishment as well, you know, something to, to grow on. Yeah. You know, so that was that was just the start of my my gardening journey and adventure that I've that I've had over the past, you know, seven years. So awesome. I'd have to say that's that's been my biggest failure. But, you know, it was also a start. <laughs> yeah. And. What do you consider your biggest success? I'd have to say my biggest success is just, like you said, just really plugging into the local community, you know, really helping people to find a passion for gardening, introduce people to gardening, to growing, to really instill those values in them. You know, it's gardening can be intimidating to a lot of people, and I'm just trying to, you know, kind of take that intimidation away, you know, by making it a little bit more user-friendly, you know, it doesn't have to be intimidating. And yeah, it's a little bit of work, but the work you put in, you know, I think you're going to feel that accomplishment once you plant that seed and then you're, you know, eating a salad that you grew. So it's fun really being plugged into the, yeah, it's, it's fun. And like I said, you know, gardeners usually like to come together and, you know, share stories and we're always, you know, we're always laughing and, you know, telling our garden successes and our garden failures and, you know, this worked and this didn't work and, uh, you know, different techniques that people, you know, on the internet or, you know, different things that they want to try or experiment with. It's, it's always evolving. It's always growing. It's, it's constantly kind of, kind of changing, which is, you know, it's nice. Excellent. And what drives you? My drive comes from, like I said, just, I really love being outside I love being in the garden. I love cultivating soil, building soil. You know, like I said, I learned Tom Bartels. He's a local gardening guru. He has a website, profoodwell.com. I got to want to take one of his courses about three years ago at his home here in Southwest Colorado. Nice. And he's been a big inspiration of mine, as well as, you know, all the other garden club members that I've met. Uh, they have now become my friends. So just like I said, being around like-minded people, 
getting to know people, other gardeners, other farmers, uh, ranchers in the area. Yeah. And then just, you know, seeing my kids out there in the garden, you know, enjoying, you know, playing in the soil and planting and harvesting. And, you know, they're, they're happy to eat these veggies that they have helped grow, you know, because a lot of, a lot of kids nowadays, you know, they don't, they don't know where their produce comes from. They don't know where their food comes from. And, Mm -hmm. you know, me instilling that in my children and other children, you know, in the area, it's just, it's just really a a driver for me of passion. Nice. to Continue that, you know, turning people into gardeners. Yeah. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? So I was thinking about that and this book, Strawbell Gardening. Oh, yes. By uh, Joel Karsten. Yep. I'd probably have to recommend this book because no matter who you are or where you live, growing in a straw bale can be done. And it's, you know, you don't have to mess around with, you know, raised beds or digging us, you know, uh, filling up soil, or this just makes it really simple. You know, even if you want to just start with one bale in your backyard, you know, you throw the bale down, you condition it with a little bit of fertilizer, compost, water, it starts to decompose and you plant directly into it. And basically as it decomposes, it's, it's feeding your plants. So this is a great way to just get started in your in your gardening journey if you're looking to to get into it so one of the things i like about the straw bale gardens is they act as really nice gardens for a year or two but then they break down and you're building mm-hmm. soil in place significantly yeah so over at the middle school here this last year we built eight raised beds and we filled them with straw bales mm-hmm. and we planted, you know, we conditioned them, planted directly into those. And you should have seen the produce that we got from this wow. garden. It was, it was amazing. I mean, that was probably eight feet tall, you know, zucchinis and squashes everywhere. I mean, these kids were, it, it kind of looked like a jungle because prior to us putting the garden there, it was just, you know, weeds and dirt and rocks. So to see it go from, you know, just a bare ground to a thriving garden in just one season, it was pretty amazing. And the worms, you know, we were kind of digging through the, the bales at the end of the season and the worms that were in there. It, I mean, it, I've never seen a worm that big. <laughs> nice. So nice. It, it's uh, like you said, it's just a really good way to grow. And then, like you said, the added benefit is, you know, you're left with all this beautiful organic matter that you can in turn, you know, start another bale or, you know, start, you know, put that somewhere else and start amending another garden. So I highly recommend uh, straw bale gardening if you're wanting to get into Excellent. gardening. Yeah, Joel's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's uh, quite the speaker. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Like I said, just don't be intimidated. Don't let your failures deter you. Learn from them, grow from them. You know, seek out people in your local area, garden clubs, you know, extension offices, other people online. You know, I, I follow a lot of people on Instagram, Facebook. You know, it's there's a lot of good people out there doing a lot of good things. And like I said, most of the time, gardeners are willing to to help and share. 
Yeah. If you have if you have quite if you have questions, you know, usually we're we're willing to you know to uh, answer or point in the right direction. So that would be my advice: is just don't give up. Get your hands dirty. Get in there and work, work your soil. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Andrew. Yeah, it was uh, great to be here. I know I get a little tongue twisted and I, I get really excited about growing and gardening. And a lot of times my, you know, my mind and my thoughts can't keep up with my mouth. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> I resemble um, that remark. How can yeah. our listeners get a hold of you? So I do have an Instagram account, Green Thumb Daddy on Instagram. And I also just recently started a Facebook page, Green Thumb Daddy. I haven't added too much content to that one, but I hope to put some more content on there starting this season. So Excellent. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash green thumb daddy. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.